Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
she traveled many miles was gonna have a child she knew that life would never be the same she laid that precious child in a manger all the while crying out Jesus is his name and everyone around began to say listen to his heartbeat such a special heartbeat Sounds like none I've ever heard at any other time. Listen to his heartbeat, such a different heartbeat. And every beat just seems to be the hope of all mankind. And soon he was a man and with words of life began walking shores of Galilee that day he cleansed lives of their sin the blind could see again the lame could walk the dumb could talk and everyone would save special heartbeat sounds like none I've ever heard at any other time listen to his heartbeat such a different heartbeat and every beat just seems to be the hope of all They led him up a hill, and the earth grew dark and still. And as they nailed him to a rugged tree, the blood came streaming down to a thirsty ground. The whole world hushed at his final They came to the tomb with all their lives in ruin and in their hearts crying bitter tears. But everything had changed and the stone was rolled away and someone said, what is that I There's that special heartbeat It's the one I've only heard Just one other time Listen to that heartbeat Such a different heartbeat And every beat just seems to be The whole 
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful day of worship we've already had together. And turn with me as we enter back into our study of uh, the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark. And turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 this morning in the subject of lavish love. Mark chapter 14, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9. As you're turning there, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for yet another opportunity to be together and to spend time in worship, to be able to give and to pray. And now as we study your word, I, I know that you have a word for each and every one of us. Lord, you've, you've been working on my heart all week long through this passage. And Lord, I believe that you have a word for all of us. And Lord, if I have uh, some friends here today that don't yet know you as, as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would recognize the one who is, is worthy of our all, uh, of us pouring absolutely everything out uh, upon him. Because Lord, uh, he is the one who came and he died and he rose again. And Lord, he did that, that we might be saved. And, and Lord, we're so thankful for, for that great love. And we just pray today that you might uh, speak to hearts, Lord, that we might see changed lives. And uh, Lord, we'll give you all the honor and glory and the praise for it. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. Lord, hiding behind the cross, that only you'd be seen, only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we come here to, to Mark chapter 14, we come to a, a sad chapter in the book of Mark, these verses display the hatred of men and in all of its ugliness. Uh, in fact, we're told here that the religious Jews are fed up. They're fed up with what uh, Jesus has been preaching, and they want him dead, and they don't care what they have to do uh, to make that come to pass. Verse 1 says that they want to take him by craft. Now, that word craft refers to a trick. They're, they're trying to devise basically a plot a way to uh, trick Jesus so that they can uh, have him executed, done away with, so their problem will be solved. Well, why are they so angry? Well, it could have made these religious men so angry that they would want to have this man killed. Well, they're upset. They're upset because Jesus has exposed all of their hypocrisy. They claim to be spiritual, godly men, and Jesus has proved them to be nothing but a group of hypocrites. Jesus made a fool of them in front of the common people, and they simply cannot stand for that. They're also angry because Jesus is hurting their business. You remember that Jesus has gone in, and he has uh, cleared the temple of the money changers and those who had, who had been um, basically marketing the animals that had been brought in to be sold, those that were selling the, the lambs, those that were selling the birds, and uh, those who were exchanging money. And so Jesus had, had really hurt their business. He had hurt their bottom line, and so they're angry about that. They had been collecting a percentage of the sale there, and, and now they couldn't do that any, anymore. And they were fine until he, he touched their money, until he touched their, their income source, and now they're upset. And there are a lot of people like that even today. 
They can, they can deal with Jesus until it hits the pocketbook. And when, when he requires a little bit more out of, out of them uh, than they want concerning financial, financial concerns, they say that's enough, Jesus, and then they won't know more. While this passage reveals human nature at its worst, there's also a beautiful picture here of what God's people are at their best. Jesus contrasts the hatred of his enemies against the unconditional love of one of his precious followers. These verses paint a portrait of lavish love. And I want you to see with me the kind of love that every redeemed heart should have each and every day for the Savior. And I want you to see lavish love on display. I want you to see this love in action so that we might be motivated as well to express that same kind of unconditional, selfless, all-consuming, boundless love to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. After two days was the feast of the Passover and the unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how that they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will uh, may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Very I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. You may be seated. The first thing we see here, if you look at verse 3, is the demonstration of lavish love. The demonstration of lavish love. The setting for the demonstration is seen first. The, these events took place in the little town that is referred to as Bethany, which was located on the southern slope of the Mount of Olives, just a few miles from Jerusalem. And Bethany was uh, apparently one of Jesus' favorite locations to go to. He had some very good friends who lived there, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus often visited them in their home, and, and he benefited from, from the hospitality and friendship that he had with them. Uh, it is also that same Lazarus that had died, and uh, Jesus came and he raised him from the grave four days after his death. And so Bethany was a very special place for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also told that this event occurred in the home of a man who is referred to as Simon the leper. Now, considering the fact that, that he's having a gathering, that people are coming to his home, a better name would be Simon the former leper. This man had been healed from his leprosy while Jesus uh, it was, it was there, and, and now he's throwing a feast in honor of the one who has literally saved his life. 
if the Lord has ever done anything for you, you'll be thankful for it as well. And apparently Jesus had saved Simon's life. This man's heart is overflowing with love and gratitude for what Jesus has done for him. And he wants to thank the Lord. He wants to thank him in a tangible way. And I praise the Lord for those people who are excited about what the Lord has done for them. Who, who, who want to thank him for what he has done. And for some of us, we say, well, you know, what's, what's Jesus really done for me? In 2017, what, what's Jesus really done for me that I should be thankful for? Well, perhaps you might think about salvation. The fact that Jesus left the splendor of heaven, that he came to this earth, that he lived as a servant, that he went to the cross and, and he died in your place, that he shed his blood, that he was dead and he was buried in a tomb for three days. And on that Sunday morning, as only God can do, he, he took his life back up and he rose again. And it's because of that that you are saved. It's because of that that you're no longer hellbound. That's something to be thankful for. That's something to praise him for. But what's he done for you? What has Jesus done for you? What, what should you be thanking him for? Well, he is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our love and our adoration and our worship. We're told in John's account of this same event that Martha is there and she's serving. And Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, is there. And so is Martha's sister named Mary. In fact, it's Mary who performs the demonstration here of this lavish love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a scene of love here. Jesus is surrounded, for the most part, by people who genuinely love him and, and people who truly care for him. And notice what they're doing. The Bible says that he sat at me, at meat. In other words, they're gathered together. They're fellowshipping over a meal. You know, as we look throughout Scripture, there's a lot of times when people come and it seems that they're spending time with Jesus and it's surrounded by a meal. I don't know about you, but I really like that. That they're surrounded by a meal. I, that speaks to me in a great way. And I think it's, it's wonderful when we gather for, for anything that we do here in the church, whether it be uh, worship or for prayer, for times of testimony, for times of, of singings and all the other things that we do. But I don't know about you, there's just something special when we get to have a meal together. When we get to sit down and I get to fellowship with you and we're eating and laughing, there's just something about a meal that brings people together. A lot of times folks will, will, will say, I, I, I'm just glad we got to sit together and got to talk like this. Something about sitting together in that way that brings people together. Some people say, you know, I don't believe in eating in church. Well, I'm sorry, I do. Um, I enjoy it a lot. Um, I love the fellowship that we have as a church family. And it seems that Jesus enjoyed that too. Jesus enjoyed eating with the people that he loved and the people that loved him. And, and just getting to be with them was something special. But we also see here the sacrifice, the sacrifice of the demonstration. As Jesus sits there at this meal, we're told that Mary comes and, and, and enters into the room. And she has with her, it, it says, an alabaster box, and it's filled with ointment or spikenard. We're told that this was a very special ointment, and it, it, it was very precious to her. And she broke that box, and she poured the contents of it upon the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John also tells us that she anointed his feet, the feet of Jesus, and, and wiped his feet with her hair. 
And so this was a lavish demonstration of love that deserves a few moments of time, I believe. The box that's spoken of here was actually a flask. And within that flask was a substance referred to as spikenard, or sometimes just referred to as nard. And it was a red-tinted ointment that is drawn from a plant that grows in India. It was a perfume that was used in the embalming process. It was so expensive that only the very wealthy could afford to purchase it. And we're told there, if you'll notice in verse 5, that it was worth 300 pence. Now, that would have been an average worker's yearly wage, 300 pence. In today's economy, you might think about that as, as Mary having spent $20,000 on this ointment, on this perfume. It was a lavish, lavish gift. And so Mary enters the room, and we're told that she breaks the neck of that flask, and she pours some of the ointment on the Lord's head, and she pours the rest of it upon his feet. And then she falls down before the Lord Jesus Christ, and she washes the Lord's feet with her hair. It was a lavish gift. And John says that when she did this, the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. This was a very lavish gift. But also we see the statement in the demonstration. Why did Mary do this? Why, did, why would she choose to spend $20,000 on this lavish gift? Was she trying to impress the people who had gathered for the feast there at the home of Simon the leper? Was she trying to prove how much that she loved Jesus? I think this act of, of lavish love was for the benefit of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. When she came that day, she broke that flask and anointed the Lord and, and wiped his feet with her hair. And she was making a very serious statement there. In fact, she was making several statements there. One of the statements that she was making was she was making a statement about her commitment to Jesus. When she broke that flask, there was no going back. The entire content of that vessel would have to be used. Her commitment to him was unconditional. It was complete. She, she, she wasn't going to turn back. This was it. But also she was making a statement about his value to her. She had probably saved her entire life to be able to, put, to purchase that flask of ointment. And she was probably saving it for her own burial. But when she broke that flask and when she poured its contents upon Jesus... She was telling him, you mean more to me than anything in this world. But also she was making a statement about her value to herself. By this act, Mary was demonstrating that Jesus meant more to her than her own reputation. She sacrificed her pride in order to serve him. She was saying, I love you so much that I don't care what anyone thinks about me, what anyone thinks about this expression of lavish love. I don't care what they think. I care what you think, Lord. And two things that, that, that she would have had to have understood was first, only prostitutes were seen in public with their hair down. At that moment, she didn't care what anyone thought of her. She merely wanted to express her lavish love for her Lord. But also, secondly, only slaves washed the feet of others. In that time when a person would come into your home, if you didn't have a servant, you would just provide them with water for them to wash their own feet. But if you had a servant, 
it would be the, the role of that servant or that slave to come and, and to wash the feet of the guests who were coming into the home. But it would be only the lowest servant, only the lowest slave would be asked to do such a menial task. But we see here that she humbled herself. She took the place of a slave before the Lord, humbling herself before him, and she served him because she loved him. But also she was making a statement about the value of her possessions. To marry nothing in the world was as valuable as her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. She loved him with a lavish love, and everything she possessed was his anyway. She loved the Lord more than she loved her things. It was common in those days to put a few drops of perfume on the head of an honored guest. But she doesn't put a few drops of ointment upon Jesus' head. She pours the entire flask upon him and even puts it upon his feet. She's making a statement here. She broke it. She poured it all out, every drop, because that's how much she loved him. She said, nothing compares. Nothing compares to you, Lord. You're preeminent in my life. But she was also making a statement about his worthiness to be worshipped and served. Why did Mary do this? Well, she did it because she was thankful. She was thankful because Jesus was her redeemer. She had been saved by the Lord Jesus. Her soul had been saved from, from, from hell. And that very fact caused her to say, you are worthy of all of my worship. She also did it because the Lord had raised her dead brother Lazarus, from the grave. She, she knew he was, he, he was the one who, who was, was the resurrection. It was him. She was so overwhelmed with love for him that she willingly gave up all that she had in one act of selfless, of, of selfless lavish worship. And on top of that, Mary believed that Jesus was going to die on a cross. We see that in verse 8. She believed the truth that the disciples could not yet grasp as far as she knew, this world was going to say goodbye to her Lord and Savior. It might be the last time that she would have to be able to serve him and to honor him in this way. And she seized the opportunity and made it count for the glory of God. I'm sure there were more statements that were made by Mary's act, but these, I believe, speak to us this morning. And when I wonder when was the last time that you offered the Lord an offering of lavish love? When was the last time you acted like Mary? When was the last time you broke the bank in order to worship Him? When was the last time you threw away your pride and you gave Him all you had in worship, in honor, and in praise? When was the last time that you selflessly served the Lord who saved you and your soul from hell? How long has it been since you placed everything you have, everything you are, and everything you care about on the altar of sacrifice before him? You don't see a lot of lavish love for the Lord Jesus Christ in our day. There are very few people who love him more than they love themselves or their agenda or their possessions or their comfort. There are very few who are willing to serve him with no thought of what they are going to receive in return. There are very few who will sacrifice their pride and their possessions so the Lord might be honored by their giving. There are not many who love him lavishly the way that Mary did. Look at your own life this morning. And considering Mary's statement of faith, look at your own life. Are you totally committed to Jesus in lavish love and worship? That's his will. It's his will for all of our lives that we would give it all to him 
Is Jesus more valuable to you than anything that you possess in this life? We can tell a lot about how much we really love the Lord, how much we are really committed to Him by how tightly we hold the pocketbook. How tightly we hold on to those possessions the Lord has already blessed us with. If we truly love Him, if we're truly committed to Him, when He calls us to give, when He calls us to sacrifice, there's no question about it. Is He worth more to you than your pride? Have you reached a place where you're willing to no longer care what other people think? And when it comes time to worship, you worship. You give Him all you have in worship. I've had people who have told me that I worship a little too much. I praise the Lord for that. People have told me, you just get a little too emotional a lot of times when you're worshiping. It's not about you. I don't really care. (laughs) But there's a lot of us who are not willing to worship that way. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes we don't give him our very best. Mary did. She laid it all on the line. She didn't care about her pride. She didn't care about what other people thought. She was willing to lay it all on the line. This lost world needs to witness our expression of lavish love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time the church fell head over heels in love with Jesus Christ once again. But secondly, we see the discouragement of lavish love. Mary's demonstration of lavish love is a wonderful thing to behold, but not everyone uh, was so excited about it. And, and I'm sad to say that we have to, we have to see some ugliness in this passage that shows us such an amazing love for Mary, we see the ugliness of, 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 of some of Jesus' men who should have known better, but who saw money and it got in the way. And so we see an attack here. The Bible tells us that some of those standing were moved with indignation over this act of love. The word means to be very displeased. They were not happy with Mary and what she had done. And they went so far as to say that what she had done was a waste. That word refers to something that's utterly destroyed, ruined, or, or, or perished. They looked at the ointment upon his head and upon his feet and they said, What is this woman doing? She's wasted $20,000 pouring it over your head. She just poured $20,000 over your head. What a waste. And that's what they saw it at. But also there is an accounting here. Then one of the disciples, were told according to John that it was Judas Iscariot, calculated the ointment would have been worth 300 pence, the $20,000. And he began to ring that up in his head. And so then we see the accusation. Judas and the rest declare the ointment should have been sold. This is ridiculous. Why didn't you sell it? It could have been taken, and, and we, could have, we could have met the needs of the poor around about us. Now, that sure does sound spiritual, doesn't it? You, you, you might have chimed in if you'd been there and said, yeah, we could have. Why didn't we do that? But John tells us in John 12, 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the bag, and he bare what was put therein. Judas Iscariot says what he says because he wanted to steal what she had given. That's why he cared. Not for the poor, but for himself. He was a thief. If the the ointment had been sold, yeah, he might have thrown a few token coins at the poor. 
but the vast majority, majority of that would have gone in his pocket. And this is a sad scene. Here is a woman who loved Jesus more than she loved her life, her wealth, or her possessions. And she sacrificed her pride and her precious ointment that she had probably saved her entire life for. Because she wanted to worship, she wanted to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. She worshiped him publicly, openly, sacrificially, and lavishly. She gave all that she had to worship him. Her worship was expensive, it was extravagant, and yet her lavish love was misunderstood, misinterpreted by the Lord's disciples. They ridiculed her, and they tried to make her feel bad for the thing that she had done for Jesus. And why did they treat her that way? They treated her like they did because they did not have the same heart for Jesus that she had. They were not in love with Jesus the way that she was. Not head over heels, I'm willing to give everything in love with him. She loved him more than her life, and she was willing to give him all that she had to re- in response to him. They were upset because they did not think that he was worthy of that kind of love. They didn't believe he was worthy of everything being given in that kind of a lavish way. And we still have that mentality today. People give themselves to all kinds of pursuits in life. Son, some give themselves to money and people call them such a success. Some people give their lives to the pursuit of athletics and we call them superstars and heroes. Some people give themselves to politics and we call them civic leaders. Some people give themselves to academia and people call them geniuses and intellectuals. But you have a talented young man or a talented young woman who says, I'm going to give my life to missions. I'm going to give my life to ministry. And there are many people, even people who are sitting in the pews of churches, who will murmur, what a waste. So talented. Could have been a doctor. Could have been a lawyer. Could have been a this. Could have been a that. What a waste. Because they don't understand. I've reached the conclusion that no matter what you do in life, If you do not do it for the glory of God and His honor, it's a waste. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of energy. I don't care for what reason you're doing it. I don't care how much money you make or how much education you get or how much you do for other people around you or anything else that you might name. If you are not doing it for the glory of God, it is a waste. Because guess what? It's fleeting. It won't last. It's a waste. Of course, you see some of these things happening in the church. If we decide to give lavishly to the Lord, many times people will not understand. Why is that church doing that? What a waste. What a waste of money to to give towards towards this or to give towards that. And and they won't understand. And and they'll, they'll ridicule the way the resources are being used because they think that they could have used it in a better way. They don't know why you would give towards missions. They don't know why you would you know, want to sacrifice in that way. We have a, a, a church close to us, and uh, they received a large sum of money. And instead of building a big fancy building, they gave it to missions. And a lot of people murmured, why would we do that? Why would we give all that money? What a waste. Well, they don't have the same perspective as Jesus of what is of true value. What should our response be? What was Mary's response? As far as we know, she didn't make one. She didn't care. She didn't care what they thought. She just loved Jesus, and she gave him lavish worship and didn't worry about the consequences of what other people thought. In other words, 
for us in our day. Keep on giving, keep on praising him, keep on displaying lavish love, and he will get the glory. But lastly, quickly, I want you to see the defense of lavish love there in verses 6 through 9. Notice what he says there in Mark 14, 6. Let her alone. Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. I think it's clear here from that statement that the Lord's heart is grieved by the attitude of his men. Mary has given him lavish love, and they've given him nothing. She gave him the best she had, and they attacked her simply for loving him in a lavish way. They looked at her gift, and they call it a waste. Jesus looked at what she had done, and he says, She hath wrought a good work on me. And that word good means beautiful. The disciples said, what a waste. And Jesus said, what a beautiful display. Jesus saw things differently. What Mary did was lavish and it bothered the greedy disciples, but it blessed the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took Mary's common act of anointing his head and washing his feet and elevated it to the realm of a spiritual work. In the Bible, it's clear that God's people are to be engaged in those kind of works. Do you know how to take a, a, a common action and turn it in to a spiritual work? Don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for someone else. Do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're worshiping, worship for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're giving, give for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're serving, serve for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in your workplace doing your day-to-day -day job, do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, even the mundane day-to-day -day actions of our lives can become spiritual acts of worship if we do them to his honor and to his glory. It may be a monetary gift, a song of praise, a humble testimony, a, a, a shout of joy, a lifted hand, a kind word, a cold cup of water. But anything that we do in his name, it gives him glory. It lifts up his name. He receives worship from it if we do it for him. It all comes down to who you do it for. If you do it for yourself, you receive your reward. If you do it for others, you receive your, their reward. If you do it for the glory of God as an act of lavish love and worship, you receive His reward. And that's what Mary was concerned about. But look at verse 7. For ye have the poor with you always, and whomsoever ye do, and, and whomsoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. Jesus isn't saying, don't help the poor. Jesus is simply saying, what Mary's doing is right. You're always going to have these issues of caring for the poor, and I've called you to do that. I've told you that that is important. It's part of what you're to be about. But Mary understood that she wasn't going to have Jesus much longer. And so she was seizing the moment to do what she could do. She understood that she wouldn't have a long time to be able to serve him and to worship him. And so she wanted to take the opportunity that she had. Soon our lives will be over and the Bible challenges us to seize the moment. And that's why I can't turn down an opportunity to preach the gospel. Because I don't know how, how long the Lord might give me to be able to do this. And so why we shouldn't turn down opportunities to come and to worship together. It's why we should be active in outreach ministries of our church and say, God, how can I be a part of that? It's why we need to be in Sunday school and discipleship because it's opportunities that we have to dig in to the Word of God together. It's why we need to support our children's ministries and our youth ministries because they're our next generation of, of leaders and missionaries and, and ministers, and we need to pour into them because we don't know how much time we have. It's why we need to back the church with our presence and our prayers and our time and our treasure 
the day will come when we will not have the opportunities that we have today. But also, in verse 8, we're told, she hath done what she could. There were a lot of things that Mary could not do. Mary didn't have time to fix him another meal. Mary didn't have time to, to, to go and, and to make something, some kind of garment for him. There wasn't enough time. She couldn't go to Gethsemane or to Calvary with him. She couldn't take away the shame and the rejection and the hatred of any of the other pains that Jesus was about to experience. There were a lot of things that she couldn't do, but she could anoint his head. She could wash his feet. And so she did what she could do. And it's a powerful lesson for us as well. We can't do everything, but we must learn to do what we can and what the Lord's called us to. We can't evangelize the entire world by ourselves, but guess what? We can share with that person the Lord has placed upon our heart. We can't feed the entire world, but we can feed somebody, and we need to do it. We can't help everyone, but we can help somebody. You can't do it all, but you can take what you can, what you have, and you can use it for the glory of God. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Jesus had been telling his disciples that what he was going to do was go to the cross and die for their sins. And they never did believe him. They doubted him until he was already dead, buried, and raised again. Mary, on the other hand, believed the Lord, and she knew where he was headed. She believed that he was headed to the cross. She was walking by faith, and she knew that she would not have many more opportunities with him. She knew that he was headed to the grave, and she was going to anoint his body. She was serving him by faith, trusting that everything he said was true. That's another lesson that we learn from Mary's lavish love gift. She gave him love, worship, and service, and sacrifice because she was walking with him by faith. And that's what he wants from each and every one of us. He simply wants us to love him and to trust him and to believe him. He doesn't want us to have, to have all the answers, but just simply to trust. He just wants us to believe him. He wants us to trust him with our needs. He wants us to trust him with our service to him. He wants us to take him at his word and trust him to do that which is right in our lives. But lastly there in verse 9, he says, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. That's an amazing statement. The disciples looked at what Mary did and they cried waste. Jesus looked at what Mary did and he cried beautiful. Jesus said that that gift of lavish love from Mary would be, be retold with the gospel throughout all of time. For 2,000 years, that statement has been true, proven true time after time after time. For 2,000 years, people have been motivated to give lavishly because of Mary's lavish love gift. For 2,000 years, people have been blessed, challenged, and stirred by what this one woman did. Mary did what she could, and she was rewarded accordingly. I wonder this morning, have you done what you could? Are you doing what you can? Are you giving to the Lord as a demonstration of lavish love in your worship and in your giving? I challenge you today to serve Him, to love Him as He's called you to. In 2018, how can you love Jesus in a more lavish way? How can you give Him more? How can you be more faithful? He deserves our all. Mary said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what it costs me. Lord, you're worthy of it all. 
And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're saying, Brother Brad, I don't yet even have a relationship with Jesus. I, I, I haven't ever been saved. Well, this morning I want you to recognize that if you're a sinner and if you're willing to repent of your sins, and if you're willing to place your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary, if you will believe on him for your salvation, you will be saved. He promises us that. And so you could start this next year knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, that you're his, and you can begin serving him as he's called all of us to. How can you love him more? How can we give him that lavish love, the kind of love that Mary gives us as an example here in Mark 14? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come together. We thank you for the example of Mary and how she was willing to, to break the flask and pour it all out. Lord, we pray that we might break the flask of our lives and just pour it all out for you, holding nothing back, reserving nothing for ourselves, but trusting you at your word that you will take care of us, that you'll do what you've said you will do. And Lord, whether it is in our worship, whether it is in our giving, whether it is in our witness, whatever it may be, Lord, help us to be lavish in the way that we love you. Lord, I know there are some this morning who don't yet know you as personal Lord and Savior. I pray that today they might come and they might accept you and they might know what it is to be saved, to be your child. Others maybe need to make this their church home and I pray that they would take that step today. And Lord, uh, we, we, we'd love to welcome them into this church family. Lord, whatever the needs are, if it's just prayer at the altar, whatever the need might be, I pray that we'd be obedient to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.